Psalm 119, Discourse 12, of Exposition on the Book of Psalms, Volume 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Exposition on the Book of Psalms, Volume 5, by St. Augustine of Hippo. Psalm 119, Discourse 12. 1. Verse 37. The next words in the psalm which we have undertaken to expound are, O turn away mine eyes, lest they behold vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Vanity and truth are directly contrary to one another. The desires of this world are vanity, but Christ, who freeth us from the world, is truth. He is the way, too, wherein this man wishes to be quickened, for he is also the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, are his own words. But what meaneth, O turn away mine eyes, lest they behold vanity? While we are in this world, can we avoid seeing vanity? For every creature was made subject unto vanity, which is understood to be in man, and all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? Doth he pray that his life may not be under the sun, where all is vanity, but in him in whom he prayeth that he may be quickened? For he ascended not only above the sun, but far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And they who do not fruitlessly hear what the apostle saith, Live rather in him than under the sun. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Therefore, if our life be there where truth is, our life is not under the sun where is vanity. But this so great blessing we have rather in hope than possess indeed. And the blessed apostle spake these words according to our hope. For after he had said, The creature is made subject to vanity, he added, Not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. In hope, therefore, wherein we hope that we shall cling to the contemplation of the truth, we are meanwhile made subject unto vanity. For the whole of this spiritual, animal, and bodily creation is in man, yea, it is man. It willingly sinned, and became an enemy to truth, but that it might justly be punished, it was not willingly made subject unto vanity. Lastly, after a few words, not only they, that is, the whole creation, but ourselves also have the first fruits of the Spirit, that is, who not in our whole substance, but in that part of it whereby we surpass cattle, are subject unto God, not unto vanity, that is, through the first fruits of the Spirit, we also ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. As long, therefore, as we are here according to the flesh, 
whose adoption and redemption we here wait for in patience of hope, so long in that respect in which we are under the sun, we are made subject unto vanity. As long, therefore, as we are in this state, how can we avoid seeing vanity, whereunto we are even subject in hope? What then is the meaning of his words, O turn thou mine eyes away, lest they behold vanity? Doth he pray this, that what we hold in hope may not indeed in this life be fulfilled, but that its lot may be this, which may be at some time fulfilled in him, when it shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption, both in spirit, soul, and body, into the glorious liberty of the children of God, where it shall no longer see vanity. 2. These words may indeed thus be understood, not beside the rule of faith, but there is here another sense, which I confess pleaseth me more. The Lord saith in the gospel, If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness! It is therefore of great consequence, when we do anything good, what object we have in view in doing it. For our duty should be weighed not by the act of duty, but by our end, so that we should consider not merely what we are doing be good, but especially if the object on account of which we do it be good. He prayeth that those whose eyes wherewith we consider on what account we do what we do may be turned away, that they behold not vanity. That is, he may not look to vanity as his motive, when he doeth anything good. In this vanity, the first place is held by the love of men's praise, on account of which many great deeds have been wrought by those who are styled great in this world, and who have been much praised in heathen states, seeking glory not with God but among men, an account of this living in appearance prudently, courageously, temperately, and righteously. And when they have reached this, they have reached their reward, vain men and vain reward. The Lord, anxious to turn away the eyes of his disciples from this vanity, saith, Take heed that ye do not your righteousness before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Presently, in detailing certain offices of righteousness, and giving precepts concerning alms, prayer, and fasting, he everywhere warns us that some of these things be done for the sake of the glory of men, and he everywhere saith that they who do them for this reason have received their reward, that is not the everlasting one, which is laid up for the saints with the Father, but the temporal one which they who regard vanity in their works seek for, not that the praise of men by itself is to be blamed. For what is so desirable for men as that those deeds which they ought to imitate should please them? But to do good for the sake of praise, this is to regard vanity in one's works. Since however bountifully the praise of men may have been conferred on a righteous man, the end of his good deeds ought not to be placed in that praise, but this very praise should be referred to the praise of God, for whose sake the truly good do good deeds, since they are not made good by themselves, but by him. 
Lastly, in the same discourse, our Lord had said to them, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We ought to look thither, where he hath placed our end, when we do anything good, if our eyes are turned away from vanity. Let not therefore the end of a good work be in the praises of men, but let us correct these very praises of men, and refer all things to the praises of God, by whom everything is given unto us which is praised without error, on the part of him who praiseth. Moreover, if it be a vain thing to do good works for the sake of men's praises, how much more vain for the sake of getting money, or increasing it, or retaining it, or any other temporal advantage which cometh unto us from without. Since all things are vanity, what is man's abundance with all his toil, wherein he laboreth under the sun? For our temporal welfare itself, finally, we ought not to do our good works, but rather for the sake of that everlasting welfare which we hope for, where we may enjoy an unchangeable good, which we shall have from God, nay, what God himself is unto us. For if God's saints were to do good works for the sake of this temporal welfare, never would the martyrs of Christ achieve a good work of confession in the loss of this same welfare. But they received aid in trouble, not beholding vanity, for vain is the help of man, and they desired not the day of man, for man is like a thing of naught, and his time passeth away as a shadow. 3. Verse 38. But when God is prayed that those things which are seemingly in our own power, that is, the turning away of the eyes, lest they behold vanity, may be granted us by him, what else than his grace is praised? For some have not turned away their eyes from that vanity, because they have imagined that they become righteous and good of themselves, and have loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. For they are themselves men, who have been too much pleased with themselves, and have presumed on the strength of their own will. But this also is vanity and vexation of spirit. And he had said, therefore, O turn away mine eyes, lest they behold vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. And this way is not vanity, but truth, he addeth. Verse 38. O establish thy word in thy servant, that I may fear thee. And what else is this, than grant unto me, that I may do according to what thou sayest? For the word of God is not established in those who remove it in themselves, by acting contrary to it, but it is established in those in whom it is immovable. God therefore establisheth his word, that they may fear him, in those unto whom he giveth the spirit of the fear of him, not that fear of which the apostle saith, Ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, for perfect love casteth out this fear. But that fear which the prophet calleth the spirit of the fear of the Lord, that fear which is pure and endureth for ever, that fear which feareth to offend him whom it loveth. For the adulteress hath a different fear of her husband, from that of the chaste wife. The adulteress feareth him, lest he come. The chaste feareth, lest he forsake her. 4. Verse 39. 
Take away my approach which I have suspected, for thy judgments are sweet. Who is he who suspected his own reproach, and who doth not know his own reproach better than that of his neighbor? For a man may rather suspect another's than his own, since he knoweth not that which he suspecteth. But in each one's own reproach there is not suspicion for him, but knowledge, wherein conscience speaketh. What then mean the words, the rebuke which I have suspected? The meaning of them must be derived from the former verse, since as long as a man doth not turn away his eyes, lest they behold vanity, he suspecteth in others what is going on in himself, so that he believeth another to worship God or do good works from the same motive as himself. For men can see what we do, but with a view to what end we act is hidden. And there is thus room allowed for suspicions, so that one man dareth to judge of the hidden secrets of another, and generally falsely, and to suspect at random things that are unknown to him, even if they be true. On this account the Lord, when he was speaking of the end, on account of which we ought to act righteously, in order that he might turn away our eyes from beholding vanity, warned us not to do good works for the sake of the praise of men, in these words, Take heed that ye do not do your righteousness before men to be seen of them. He warned them against doing them for the sake of money. Thus lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, and ye cannot serve God and mammon. He warned them against doing so for the sake even of their necessary food and raiment. Take no thought of your life, what ye shall eat, and what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. And after he had given all these warnings, since we may suspect that they whom we see living righteously, though we see not with what object they do so, do good works from some such motive as those mentioned, he added, Judge not that ye be not judged. For this reason, after the psalmist had said, Take away my reproach that I have suspected, he added, For thy judgments are sweet, that is, thy judgments are true. For a lover of truth declareth that to be sweet which is true. But the judgments of men concerning the hidden secrets of men are not sweet, but rash. And therefore he called that his reproach, which he had suspected of others. For this too the apostle saith, Comparing themselves with themselves they understand not. For a man the more readily suspecteth in another what he is conscious of in himself. This reproach of his, therefore, he prayed, might be taken away, viz. what he had felt in himself and had suspected in others, that he might not be like the devil, who had suspected concerning the hidden things of the holy Job, that he did not worship God for naught. Job, whom he demanded to be allowed to tempt, that he might discover some charge to impute against him. 5. Verse 40. But since nothing save envy suspecteth another's reproach, while well, a good work cannot be censured, because that which is open speaketh for itself, and since it is censured on the score of the motive from which it is done, and thus any man who pleaseth may suspect him of evil, 
because he seeth not what is hidden, and envieth what is above himself. Against this fault truly, under the influence of which each man suspecteth of a man evil which he discerneth not, charity must be held fast, which envieth not, which our Lord especially commendeth, where he saith, A new commandment give I unto you, that ye love one another. And by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And speaking of the love of God and our neighbor, on these two commandments, he saith, hang all the law and the prophets. Whence the psalmist also, against the reproach of his suspicion, which he longeth to be cut off, saith, Behold, I have coveted thy commandments, O quicken thou me in thy righteousness. Behold, I have coveted to love thee with all my heart, and with all my soul, and with all my mind, and my neighbor as myself. But O quicken thou me not in my own, but in thy righteousness, that is, fill me with that love which I have longed for. Aid me that I may do that which thou chargest me. Thyself give what thou dost command. O quicken thou me in thy righteousness, for in myself I had that which would cause my death, but I find not save in thee whence I may live. Christ is thy righteousness, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And in him I find thy commandments, which I have coveted, that in thy righteousness, that is, in him, thou mayest quicken me. For the Word himself is God, and the Word was made flesh, that he himself also might be my neighbor. End of Psalm 119, Discourse 12